passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm my chip, boss, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We're talking about how two of our panel had a little grappling match last weekend. The 125er came out on top, apparently. Yes, sir. <laughs> Which is always good. Um, potential sponsorships are in the works. That's exciting stuff. That's a little house housekeeping stuff that needs to get addressed um okay so kobe parker are on vacation and they don't take this podcast seriously so we are shut the fuck up (laughs) we're doing a light recap now very light no set the spread this week which behooves me because i have the lead over dan so also before you jump in danny did not come on top you can move on from that I've heard rumors. That's all. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you if you count ground control, sub attempts, takedowns, pretty much any stat. Oh, if you there's yeah, all okay. one sided. Okay, As that sounds about right. Pretty pretty Danny sure I did can... win a grappling match. Parker doesn't know how to grapple or what grappling is. Or the fact that I'm standing watching a game and he comes out from the corner and just like jumps on me. Let's not get bogged down. Fifty percent of it's the uh, the surprise of attack though, or the element of surprise. That's okay, well, like fifty percent of. Let me punch you in the face. He was squared up. You're acting like you weren't squared up. This is, a, this is ridiculous. Yeah, okay. see, Par- Parker just can't accept defeat, and that's fine. Speaking of defeat, Mackenzie Dern. She didn't get her way last weekend. Absolutely your girl, not. Your girl, Marina Rodriguez, I was on the plus 170. Were you on the plus 170? Oh, yeah. Easy as heck. Yeah, she looked great. While we're uh, here, Yeah, except for that second round, night. really. Well, and a question, I, I went up to go to the bathroom in the second round and all of a sudden she's on the ground, but then later they were talking about how Dern had no takedowns. What happened? Uh, that was a weird situation where it, it was really a scramble. Um, it was, it was a weird situation because Marina actually went to the ground with her and kind of invited it, which was something Parker and I were watching it together. We both thought it was weird because we were commenting how frustrated Mackenzie was getting, having to shoot for takedown after takedown after takedown. Um, and, and to, to no success, really, it was kind of exactly how we thought it was going to happen just with the standup striker frustrating her. Um, and, and for me, it exposed a lot of Mackenzie. She really needs to get into a wrestling camp. She really needs to figure out a way to get these fights to be where she wants to fight. Cause she's, she looked lost on the feet for yeah, real. I agree. Once it's the mat, it's game over, but 
every single round starts on the feet. So how is Dern going to bridge that gap? Speaking yeah. really quickly while we're just in this division, uh, Rodriguez clearly leans towards her Muay Thai. You're looking at the straw weights here. Rose, Wei Lee, they're fighting 268, I believe. They're fighting soon. Uh, JJ at two. Carlos Barza would like to see the mat. Definitely more elite than Dern, then Marina Rodriguez. Then you got uh, Zhao Nan and then Mackenzie Dern. So I guess the reason why I bring that up is Marina obviously has done well for you on this podcast and me, one of, one of your favorites. How do you see either of these women holding up in this division? Because I would probably give the striking nod to JJ over Rodriguez. Is that off base? Um, I don't know if it's off base, but it's definitely something I'd like to see. You've got probably the best striker that we've seen uh, at, at women's featherweight in JJ, but Marina could definitely shock some people and definitely JJ is on kind of the downward trajectory of her career. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe she's a step slower than Marina in a couple so, areas. And then other way. And then the other one you mentioned, we've seen Carla Marina before, and that was a close one that Carla edged out because of takedowns. Yeah, I do split. think that Marina's takedown defense has gotten a little bit better. So I'd love to see that one again too. Either. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that Marina needs one more between either of those women and then she'll get the winner of. And so th- that Whaley leads me to the, that leads me to the last question is Dern 28 years old, obviously a ton of time to become a sponge and just get all of her skill sets bridged together. Rodriguez on the other hand is 34 and is just now starting to really gain traction. Do either of these women hold gold in your eyes at some point in their career? I think it's much more likely to assume Mackenzie does. Okay. Uh, I was surprised a second ago when you told me that Yan Jaunan, a woman I've made a lot of money on, but I was surprised when you said that she was ranked ahead of Mackenzie. I think it's a great matchup for Mackenzie. I think Mackenzie would be a big favorite there. But, um, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though, is Jaunan got exposed by Esparza by just being dominated on the mat and being lost when it hits the mat. I guess Dern, it, the same question asked it, it, for Jaunan it is as it is Rodriguez is can Dern get it to the mat because if she can then I think she can beat all these women yeah for me it's just I don't think Yan Jaunan is as sharp as, as Marina I think that Marina is in that kind of upper echelon of strikers at least with the woman like Joanna and Thug Rose and Wei Lee I, I think they are in that that separate tier that Yan Jaunan's not quite in yet but I don't know I, that's that's an interesting matchup I do think that Mackenzie would have a lot easier of a time pretty much everywhere there. I don't think that she gets as frustrated. I don't think she gets as tagged. I don't think she gets at hurt really at all. Um, but it'd be, it'd be a, a matchup I'd love to see. And, and then one more storyline from last weekend actually was kind of revolved around our ankle lock, which cash, by the way, Parker and or Kobe, do you have the ankle lock record in front of you? If, if, if not, uh, I believe 23 it's 20, and 11. 23 and 11. So with, with the, with the Nicolau win last week, yep. Cool. So 23 and 11 advancing over that 66% mark, but here's the controversy. We faded Tim Elliott. It looked, it looked bad early. And then once Nicolau got moving, it, it really turned the tide quickly. Here's the thing. James Krause, we talk about him a lot on this podcast and just the whole MMA community as a whole talks about James Krause a lot, not only because he's a baller 
in the Dan, Dan Hooker brand where he just basically will take a fight anytime, anywhere. It's almost become his, his niche. The other thing, though, is he's a phenomenal coach, and he is the head coach of Tim Elliott, and he repeatedly told Tim Elliott, you're up 2-0, you're up 2-0, going into the third round when everybody else, myself included, I'm sure anyone watching saw. And the live odds, too. Clear 1-1. Right, the live mm-hmm. odds flipped hard, too. Well, later in the third round, Tim Elliott ends up on his back and doesn't scramble out of it because he thinks he's up 2-0. He holds for dear life and kind of uses a stalling tactic and ends up dropping the fight via decision 29-28. I don't totally think it would have mattered if Elliott tried to sprawl up. I mean, like, Nikolau got the better of the striking exchanges in that third round, then got top control. So Elliott would still need to do a lot to get that decision. However... It, it, it was the storyline circling the MMA community is, wow, what, what was Kraus doing there? And, you know, Tim Elliott dropped a, a tough decision there because he was he dominated that first round. And, and so I guess there really isn't much of a statement. I mean, do you have anything to add to that? I guess now that I think about it, this is more just a storyline that happened. I mean, do you blame Kraus at all? There's no... I, I, I really don't blame Kraus. I do think that he was wrong completely and he probably hurt um the mentality of tim elliott going into the third but tim got that early takedown and i think he was something like one for one for nine or one for 11 uh when the fight ended it wasn't so much that he could continue just like grappling and winning a top or a top pressure decision if he had wanted to i don't think that i don't think that it really changed his game plan except for when you're referencing right when he was on his back and kind of started holding the back of the neck of Matus and stalling for that get up or for hopefully the round end and he would win. But I, I, I really don't blame it on Kraus. I think that there was know, a lot that went into the fight. No, I agree. And I felt once the third round started, I, I did feel pretty safe in our bet. I mean, I, if I felt comfortable with it, it was just very interesting because it shows the impact a corner can have. And it also, people don't realize, but the trust that goes into having your corner. I mean, Tim Elliott, basically, I mean, he honestly, I props to him. He hasn't thrown shade Krause's way at all. He he says he takes responsibility for it, but it's just interesting because I think a lot of people would say that it's the coach's job to be shoot straight with them, be honest and lead him in the right direction. I think it's just more of a, a lead or a push for me to, push towards open scoring. I know Colorado just passed, not to jump on news and notes' toes, but I know Colorado just passed the uh, bill that every fight sanctioned in Colorado is now going to have open scoring of every promotion. Like I kind of love it. I really, really? do. I think I, it, I, I think like it, that. I think it does a lot for the mentality of these fighters. I think we're going to see a lot more third-round finishes. It, def- it definitely will ruin our – if you do catch live bets as a better – You'll definitely lose opportunities. To right, the market changes completely, but I yeah. think for the sport, it, it improves. It's a step in the right direction. I guess that's something that I need to step away from and think about, not as a better, but as just a fan of the sport. Because, like, I'm just thinking, like, I I do cash a lot of live bet plays. There's a lot of live opportunities there, and that will definitely go away. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what, this kind of meshes news and notes with recap, but Loopy Godinez making the, Lupita. Godina is her nickname's Loopy, making the quickest turnaround in, I believe, UFC history. Confirmed. Confirmed. What? Can't be faster. 
It it cannot be faster. I was just we had thinking, those Wednesday Jacksonville cards. You could have turned around on the Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking more like if this is all MMA worldwide or just this promotion. But I'm sure in some random sanctioned people fight every other day. But I mean, we got UFC one where yeah, Poise is fighting three times in the but, same night, right? Yeah, and even PFL still has stuff like that. But she fought last weekend on one of the worst cards in recent memory. And then they moved her up and now she's fighting on another one of the worst cards in recent memory, but she's making her second appearance this weekend in back-to-back weeks. So that's kind of a news and notes slash recap match. She called a the performance bonus for her last week. Oh, there you go. Uh, I guess while we're there, what other performance bonuses were there slash fight of the nights? So 50 K so went to loopy loopy. We had Agapova and then fight of the night to Dern Rodriguez. Yeah, so Agapova basically had a nice submission victory in the third, but what she was winning the whole fight. And that's what's really interesting is I know we talked about it from the – there was a lot of question marks surrounding her with the allegations and stuff. She actually called out Marina Mazo, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is going to be something that there's some drama building up there. And what was the other one, Kobe, the last one? The fight of the night to Dern Rodriguez. Dern, okay, that's I. I yeah, no good five round. Yeah, I have no issue with any of that. The last thing that I want to add, nothing else really holds important. Well, Damon Jackson was the bloodiest fight ever, <laughs> or one of them yeah, for I mean, sure. His, that was his a nasty. Just was yeah. leaking. It, that was a nice spinning elbow by Rosa. Rosa fell anyways, though unanimous decision to Jackson. But the other, the last little bit that needs to be added was just the Randy Brown Jared Gooden fight. Nothing about the fight itself. Just more Randy Brown lands a really nice front kick up the middle and actually ends up breaking early. early. First might be one of the first strikes and ends up actually breaking his toes on his left foot or right foot. Rest of the fight, you can see him kind of stomping that toe out, trying to like almost unjam it. Later it gets caught in the fence too. It was a whole debacle. The 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 crew was deciding what actually what the actual injury was. He ends up edging out a decision regardless pretty easily. I do think it's probably the end of the road here for Jared Gooden. I mean, he's one in one in four or one in three in his last four. And that's his entire UFC career losing to Joban Nurmagomedov, now Randy Brown. So I this is probably the end of it for Gooden. But Randy Brown broke his fucking toes in the first kick he throws, edges out a decision the rest of the way, gained a little bit of respect in my book. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and, and that Randy Brown from the first 30 seconds looks like a dangerous Randy Brown. Yeah. I don't think I'd feel as comfortable going no. max bet Vicente Luque against that oh, Randy I agree. Brown. And yeah. we were very comfortable, uh, what, like six, eight months ago when we did that. Yeah, very comfortable. We didn't even sweat for a second. That was actually what invented the ankle lock, I'm pretty sure. That's how confident yeah. we were. Um, okay. So with all that out of the way, that's the recap for last week's card. Dern versus Rodriguez went our way. Dan, you were green for sure with that Rodriguez and the ankle lock. I also, I tailed you on Rodriguez and then hammered the ankle lock as well. So I also left the night green, which is always phenomenal to see. We've been extremely, extremely green lately on the pod. We're looking to keep that moving into this week's card. Aspen Lad versus uh, <laughs> Norma, <laughs> Norma Dumont. Dumont. And Norma do not want me to watch this card. And what's crazier is Dumont was the one who was actually like scheduled to be the headliner regardless. Holly Aspen Ladd's the one who's filling in for Holly, which is just crazy. Um, But whatever. Nevertheless, we have, I'll, I'll take a card no matter what it is. Um, 
And looking top to bottom, there actually is a couple more fights on this one that I'm excited for than last. Last week's was really, really bad. And they ended up being okay, but there's only nine fights. But let's hit news and notes quick, and then we'll work on breaking down this week's card. All right, I got a few, but y'all fill me in if I'm missing out. Yeah, I definitely got some too. I've been – We have – MMA junkies been my homepage. We have Cody Stamen and Saeed Nurmagomedov set for 270. That's in January. Cody Cody Stamen v. Saeed Nurmagomedov. Okay, cool. That's that's cool. a that's actually a nice fight. That's and the, and that was the Nurmagomedov that we had a 50, 30 minute debate on on what is the relation to Habib. I think we determined it is in fact cousin. That's the one that got tapped right by Paul Craig. No, that was the other one. Okay. We're gonna need to look back. The one who this. went, the, the one who went in the cryo chamber, right? Yeah, that's yeah, the one I'm referencing. There's yeah, a yeah, I thought that was Saeed. No, I'm pretty sure that that was uh, Abubakar. You could be right. No, 100. Keep going, Kobe. I, I'm oh, on the research train right now. Retracing steps here. Paul Craig's light heavy, right? Yeah, it's it's not that. It's Abubakar. He tapped to David Zawada. Okay, continue. All right, we're back. Uh, two it might be both two fights announced for oh what's now an absolutely loaded ufc 269 card uh wait 269 okay wait hold on hold on hold on hold on give me a guessing opportunity give me a guessing opportunity all right um because luke diaz is he on that card or has that already been counted vicente luke versus nate diaz i don't know when that card is but i know that's a fight I don't know. I don't know if that's Moreno Moreno Figueredo. I think that got moved. That is announced. I don't know if that's 269 or not. I think that's got to be 269. Yeah. Um, I, I, this, I'm doing a bad job here. I got to be looking at this in the meantime. But yeah, I do you know or do announced. you not know? <laughs> well, I have two fights announced. I got to right. announce the fights. Announce the fights. I'm done. We have Leon Edwards and Jorge Masvidal. Phenomenal. Three piece in a soda. And we All have. Overdue. Ponzinibbio and Geoff Neal. Oh, another fun matchup. Fun that strikers. Is great, that is a great striking matchup. I, I favor uh, Ponzi in that one. Dan, I think since, I'm on the other side, Niger, right away. Ooh. I think I favor Jeff right away. I like that. I like that. Jeff has the power, but I think Ponzi's one of the better kickboxers at Welter. Um, question though, quick. We 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 robbed the viewers of set the spread this week. Can you set that Nate Diaz? Or, I mean, not Nate Diaz. Mazadal v. Leon line. I actually am curious where you have it. So, are you – this is tough because I didn't think about this at all. I know. That's the best part. <laughs> I have Leon as my favorite. Okay. Me too. And I'm going to make it just minus 140 because of the all the name value yeah, on yeah, Mazadal. Yeah, yeah. I'll go 150 just because Mazidal's had a tough road lately, but it's definitely in the ones. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I don't even know if it's out. Let me retrace my steps a little bit here. All right. UFC 270 is Figueredo Moreno 3. That's, that's January, January 22nd. Yeah. That's January. Um, UFC 269 is Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier. Oh, Amanda Nunez, Juliana Unreal. Payne. It just sucks because the women's 125, 135 are tied up where it's like no one can really beat Amanda and no one can really beat Valentina. And, like, the fights are awesome to have on pay-per-views, but are you really trying to watch a minus 1,300 fight? Like, it just kind of takes a little bit of the fun out of it. But open parlay. I mean, and then even more so what we're getting in the main event this weekend, 145 doesn't even exist. Right, right. 
I mean, like, it really doesn't. Yeah. There's only three fighters and they have to coach right. Aspen Ladd into switching divisions because she can't say. like healthily make 135. But that still doesn't mean that there's even a top 10. There's now a top. Four. Well, the other thing about 45 is so many of the girls could easily make 135, but they get coaxed in extra benefits to just fight 45. Who was the one? She looked like a goddamn jelly bean, but she fought for the title at 45. And got, I mean, uh, I used to think that you were 100% right, but we've seen, I mean, Aspen Ladd looked absolutely, we'll talk about that when we get to the main yeah. event, but she yeah, looked will, yeah. scary. All right. Scary two items, two, two kind of sad items. So we got Luke Rockhold, who's got a herniated disc out of the Sean Strickland fight. Is it, I guess we could either label that as sad or expected. I'm fine with either. Gilbert Poha Burns has volunteered to step in, move up a weight class and take that Sean Strickland fight. I also saw Gilbert Poha Burns was chirping at Neil Magny to get a fight, which I don't like that fight for him. There's no benefit for him fighting. He's Neil chirping Magny. at everyone to get a fight right now. He's just bored. Yeah, I know. But I don't like that Neil Magny fight for him at 70 because it's like what you can only lose. You yeah, have nothing to gain by taking that Magny. I think fight. he gets some legend status by going to fight Strickland and just tapping him out real quick. That fuck yeah, you get legend status. Moving up to 85 on what three weeks notice and tapping mm-hmm. that pitch. <laughs> Unreal. Boha. Um, John Jones saga continues suspended yep. from at UFC and also out of Jackson Wink. So yeah, I saw I saw the Jackson Wink news is what hit me because that's like his home. And he's and we talked about it a couple uh podcasts ago that that really was the main camp of MMA for a while back in the Diego Sanchez era, John Jones era, Holly Holm era. And he was the of, face of it too. It yeah, was like 100%. It, Jackson Wink was Jackson Wink. Mark right. Jackson was Mark Jackson because of John Jones. It, right. Like it almost feels like that. Right. With Holly. And, and so I think that John, this is kind of like someone getting kicked out of their own home. And I know he's out there denying allegations right now, but this to me, I'm always, I always want to hear the story out before I rush to any conclusions, but this to me seems like there's some details that the public doesn't quite know yet because I think a place. This that, a, yeah. This is a gym and coaching staff that is stuck by him through a lot of questionable stuff. Right. If this one is over the line, I mean, for me, he's gone over the line years and years ago. Oh yeah. Me too. But yeah, it's, it's, this is, yeah, it this scares is me to what the truth might be if his, the people that turn a blind eye to everything else are finally yeah. like, I know it's, it's gotta be pretty bad. Also quickly, Kobe is the next sad news, the Louise Pena news. Cause if so, if it's not, that. yeah. Well, if it's not, I'm going to pivot it right now. Is that what it was? The you, we hit on both the rockled out and John Jones, but also Louise Pena. Okay. So yeah, Louise Pena quickly, he got the more recent news is he got obviously terminated from the UFC. That was expected. The thing that I wanted to add just as the news aspect to it is Dana White came out and said that this is one of the more gruesome ones he's seen since the police report came out. It it sounds like the only detail that I know from what I read is that basically two women approached Pena and he punched both of them closed fist in the face, definitely knocking them out being a a 140, a 145er in the UFC or 55er. The other thing about that is just, quickly on just mental health and the UFC and how they handle it as a whole. This was a little peephole in that because they talked about how multiple times they approached Pena and said, look, we're aware that you're struggling with your mental health. We're aware of this. We're aware of that. They handed him a bunch of different avenues to get help. And it it sounds like he didn't seek it. And this was the kind of 
I know there was rumorings about him struggling and doing things that hurt people around him and that whether his UFC career is going to be question mark. I know the, the tough alum get a little bit extra leniency because of their faces, but this one sounds like it's pretty bad. And it's, I, I kind of think this is the last we ever see Luis Pena. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with yeah, you. Unless he's behind bars. It's just I hope disgusting. he gets help, but yeah. good riddance for the sport for now. And, and the other thing too quickly, and I don't want to get bogged down on news and notes, but I, it is something that either we should touch on another time or at least mention. But I've been reading a lot of articles where people are wondering, is there a domestic violence problem with combat sports? Because you have Chuck Liddell, John Jones, Luis Pena all in the same weekend making headlines. I think that this is a jump to conclusions because you see way more in the NFL. I know obviously there's more bodies, but like, I don't want people labeling this sport, the sport we all love. And we know it's much more about respect than almost any other sport labeled as having bad issues because of a few bad apples. I agree with you. I think it's very anecdotal at this point, but I am a little bit weirded out that as fans, we still give more shit to Aljo for like, receiving a knee than we give to John Jones for being an right. actual scumbag. Right. hundred percent. I agree. And it, that's almost like a, I mean, Aljo still get, I saw something the other day, Aljo had a gold chain on his neck posted to Twitter. This one's hilarious. And some guy comments and goes, and he goes, this, he, his caption, like this gold chain heavy. And he goes, no, the, the chains probably made a paper just like that fucking belt of yours or something like that. And, and he's like, Oh, it's creative, funny, whatever. But you're right. I mean, Aljo doesn't get any respect. Aljo actually has went from being a popular fighter to a hated fighter for receiving a legal, uh, an illegal need to the for zone. something that was not his fault. And obviously, not his fault like, yeah, I'm just going to be a Piotr Jan fan, and we don't need too. to get into it. I think like, the only real reason why it is weird issue, when yeah. you juxtapose it next to these actual scumbags doing right. fucked up shit. The other thing too, people are that, still just the other thing too that I've thought about a lot this weekend, and one of the reasons why I kind of want to mention it, I guess, in the news and notes segment is. Should the UFC Hall of Fame, now that it's really starting to be ceremonial with its inductees, be more like the Baseball Hall of Fame? And, Kobe, this is something that you can maybe weigh in on, but, I mean, Pete Rose, not in it. Barry Bonds, not in it. Some of the, I mean, Pete Rose is the best hitter we've ever seen, but because he's not Hall of Fame outside the field, they don't have him in there. Chuck Liddell is a UFC Hall of Famer enshrined in the Hall of Fame. John Jones is a UFC Hall of Famer enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Both, both, arguably not Hall of Famers on the uh, the outside with these most recent domestic violence abuse charges. It makes you wonder, do they belong in, you you know what I mean? You don't want all those bad apples in there. For me, it's a slippery slope when journalists start deciding where the moral line is. I, 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 I don't know. It, no, I don't. I, I can't. I can't feel comfortable like having scumbags in the Hall of Fame, but I also am uncomfortable just like giving random people, to, especially agree. people like the MMA journalists that we know, power it's, to be like, "Oh, you're you suck." Like, are screw the your legacy. Are the MMA journalists the ones who decide all Hall of Fame inductions? I know that's how it is for baseball. Right. I, I'm not sure. I do. I think. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. But yeah, that's my two cents. No, I agree with you. I that's kind of where my thought line was. It just it sucks because we all love the sport and we all respect the sport. We know what goes into the sport, and so you see the two most recent inductees or some of the more recent inductees in Liddell and in Jones now having these issues outside the octagon. It's tough. 
there's a difference between, you know, ignoring the history of the sport and, you know, uh, honoring people that are shit people. And I think that you can probably do both. Like you, you don't need to forget the history of the sport and you also don't need to honor the people that are shit people. So I think there's right. probably, and it, it's the question is, how do you, yeah. And how do you do it too? Right. I mean, I know baseball's just done it where it's like, we'll do away with them, but it's, it's tough. Unless you're caught after you're inducted and then it's a whole nother shit show, whatever. Which would have happened with John because it was night of. <laughs> night of. <laughs> he didn't Last even make it. He notes. told the cops. He told right. the cops you're ruining the best night of my life. <laughs> he didn't even make it 12 hours. Last piece of news and notes. We had contender series last night. Uh, yeah. three, three finishes, three contracts. Uh, I'm going to try this one. I know Parker's not sitting next to me anymore, but Vyaslav Borshev. Uh, that's close enough. I remember them saying it on the broadcast. I'll give it to you. We had. Yeah, I mean, he looks like an awesome striker. But to me, the biggest headline from yesterday was surrounding the Hadley Raposo fight. Mm-hmm. We had for the first time in history, Dana offer a contract to a person who missed weight. It, it, yeah. It's a situation that he said had Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard storm out of the facility and and like almost throw a tantrum. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to what you think. I am a little bit. I think that's it's a bad precedent to set. To that almost seems like it's like a headline to you know generate clicks, but I don't know. Well, so well, here's what's interesting. And in the post fight, and we'll make it quick. In the post fight interview that he had, he was saying that there was some behind the scenes stuff, and I think you're talking about a little bit the week of. Yeah, and. I guess that there has to be – my guess is there has to be something that UFC knows about the situation on why he missed. I mean, I believe this was at 35, and he usually fights at 45. I don't know if he t- – I, I, I don't know. Um, but I just think this whole thing – I mean, we retweeted about Randy Brown last week when his opponent missed by four pounds, and then he's, he basically said, well, I get 20% of his purse, but his purse is only 12 racks. So I'm only getting – you know, I'm only getting X two fucking grand to fight a guy – who has a four disadvantage. Exactly, exactly. And so it's leaving a lot of questions where it's like, is the UFC starting to take weight cuts less seriously? Then on the other end of the scale, you see Aspen Ladd falling off the scale and die. It's just, there's a clear issue. And I think that I agree. It is for, as good as the performance was, it does set a bad precedent. Last contract was to Martin Boudet, who had a first round knockout also. Yeah, I mean, that was just a heavyweight situation. And the other thing, too, about that fight that kind of bothered me was he was a minus 800 favorite. They kind of set him up against a guy who it's almost like his his contract was almost somewhat inked. You know what I mean? This Lorenzo Hood kind of didn't really have much of a business being in there. But whatever. I, I uh, Borishev, I, I think will, that Chris Duncan win was a really good one. And after that, I, I don't really have an opinion. But I'm starting to feel really quickly before we get into recap, I am starting to feel that these contender series guys at a certain point, even the winners who get contracts, I could already tell you are not going to have a good run. You know what I mean? Like they seem like, I think part of it is they have a set amount of shows and it's not that these prospects aren't worthy, but like I was looking and it's like, for example, like there's a prospect who was five and one and all of his five victories are against the guys who are combined three and 40. And it's like, is this guy really on their list of pushing into the UFC or are they trying to film a show here? No. And we've said it before. I mean, with this new ish push to have a fight night every week 
and to have these people making debuts on short notice that probably shouldn't even be there. It's, it puts into question of how many high level fighters there really are that Dana can be right tapping on the shoulder for a chance and the so only it, good part is, yeah the only good part is he does make if they lose two three in a row he, he doesn't keep him around quickly quick before the recap kobe i want to get your opinion on this i mean this is a great time to ask the question and i know our i'm curious what our viewers think as well this is a great time to ask the question because of the fact that we're coming off two questionable cards if, if they should even be you know headlining last week's card was subpar this week's card is subpar would you rather as a as a more I mean you are a hardcore fan now but as someone who might not miss a card if it's 3 times a week first or three times a month first four times a month would you rather them just have cards twice a month that are super high level or do you, do you like having a card every week even if quality suffers at times No I at the end of the day even if quality suffering you got to have men in the arena you got to have you know bodies fighting to keep the division strong and I think that's how you do it. I, I don't, what, do you, I don't, what do you think, Dan? I kind of lean the other way. And I know that that mm. sounds crazy because I love this sport. Yeah. But I think that the top level promotion should be the top level promotion. And that there are these other promotions that are great that I love for that reason. And I love them because yeah. they do have quality fighters still. And they can put on quality bouts. I don't know. I think, I think See, I, I'm I'm right dead in the middle. Like I I'm I mean I'm gonna watch Cage Warriors this weekend. I'm gonna watch Bellator this weekend. But I'm probably gonna watch Bellator this weekend over this UFC card. Like that's how that's where we're at right now with these cards, which is just ridiculous to hear out loud. Mm-hmm. Okay, speaking of cards <laughs> that are ridiculous to hear out loud. So just really quickly, we're recording this uh, Wednesday night. So. Tomorrow night, there's one championship. And then the following Saturday, or this Saturday, we have UFC Fight Night and then Bellator 268 with Vadim Nemkov. We're not going to break down Bellator 268 at all, but it's a really, really good card. Benson Henderson, ex-UFC, is fighting Brent Primus. Ryan Bader, ex-UFC, is fighting Corey Anderson, ex-UFC, in the co-main for the Grand Prix. And then also Vadim Nemkov, who is the 205 champion, who I think could make a run in the UFC is fighting Anglickis, Anglickis, who beat um, – who did he fucking beat? No, he didn't beat anybody. He's the sub for the Grand Prix because Anthony Johnson or someone couldn't make it. Whatever. Anyways, just really quickly because we're not going to break it down or anything. Do you want to add anything? I think I'm excited for that Ryan Bader-Corey Anderson fight, but I think Vadim Nemkov ends up winning this Grand Prix anyways. It's just something that I'm going to keep a close ear to because it, this, this is actually like a really fucking good card. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I'm very curious to see what Corey Anderson looks like just because he looked pretty great in his last fight at, at um, over in the Octagon. So And Ryan Bader's such an interesting matchup for him, right. too. Yeah, it's interesting. And also, the guy that I was talking about, Vadim Nemkov, if you're not familiar with him, 14-2, and two, trains with Fedor. But one of his losses is Yuri Pro, uh, Pohashka in Ryzen in a 10 minute retirement in the, in, so it, that, that loss to me is like shows, I think how talented this Pohashka oh, really definitely. is. Yeah. Definitely puts a magnifying glass on Jerry. But at the end of the day, we focus mainly on the UFC here. So let's get into it. First things first, uh, Ariana Carnelosi Cor- versus Estella Nunez. I mean, the, the, this one is just the definition of a curtain jerker. 
Carol, uh, Carol, I believe is a contender series along minus 152 Nunes on the other side, plus 132. And I mean, when I mean, I have nothing to add here, Dan. I mean, I have literally nothing to add here. It feels like this fight just got scrapped together. Like I thought, I don't even know. So this surprisingly enough is one where I actually might go and break my rule. Uh, Karna Lossi, we've talked a lot in the past about, or not a lot, but, um, She's 5'2". She's but she's very short. Yeah, but she's jacked. <laughs> she's a bowling ball. She's strong as hell. Huge muscles. Uh, expect some dirty boxing against the cage. Some unbelievable ground and pound in her last fight. Uh, I think she got that finish there, too. And Estella Nunes is the 1FC champ, or was the 1FC champ coming over to the UFC. You look at her record, and she does not have that many really even – decent wins i mean six and one is just tough with carnalossi's 13 and two and dana does as, as as much as he likes getting the top quality talent under his name he also loves proving that the ufc is just head and shoulders above those other top promotions and they brought in they they initially scheduled estella nunez i think against angela hill and switching to Carnalosi, I don't think does her any favors even. Uh, they both, that's actually an MMA math opponent. They both actually fought Angela Hill. Right. It, it's just, it feels like they're setting up Nunez to lose and to be proven that one FC champions aren't even contenders in the UFC. I don't know, but I, I, I do think Carnalosi is going to have a lot of success here. Okay. So I know that I am putting a little asterisks on my sheet to follow Danny into the headwinds. Dan, keep us posted on at ankle pick pod and at dank wagers on Twitter, because I will follow you into the fire. My friend, I have nothing on this one. I mean, Carnalosi dropped a first round to, Oh, I think it was Angela Hill kind of embarrassingly. And I remember just never forgiving her for that. <laughs> um, not a big deal. I Carnalosi is an absolute, I mean, she outlifts both of us combined, but oh, yeah. keep, a, keep a little asterisk there and follow that one. So Brandon Davis is a guy I actually mentioned for being a head coach at a gym. I think for Brian Barberine. I don't remember who it was, but I remember I was shitting on it. And he now is making his UFC return. I believe he was on the first season of Contender Series. But even if not, he was he was on something um, that projectile. He was. He was on the 2017 Dana White Contender Series comes in and kind of like low key made a rise. I mean, he fought on the Woodley Till pay-per-view. He fought on the Hollywood Holloway Poirier pay-per-view. And he also fought on the Cormier Miocic pay-per-view all in a row. What ended up happening though, I don't know if the promotion just loved him or, or if he, they're just pushing their contender series guys lost to Kyle Bakniat, lost to Barzolo, lost to Zabit, beat Randy Costa, lost to Ho Kang, and then also lost to Giga split decision though to Giga which is like shows the type of talent he has. Anyways, he ended up getting cut, fought the regional scene for the last four fights, and here he is back against Dana Botgerald, who's a guy that we've covered a lot here too, seems to be fighting quite often. And Brennan Davis is plus 150, bet Gerald minus 170. But the reason why I gave the backstory is because this is one that for a second fight on a sus card to begin with, I'm actually excited for this one. I'm excited to see how Brennan Davis looks. Brandon Davis coming back to the octagon after this being so far along, you know, he hasn't fought in two years. In the yeah. Year. I'm glad you said that. Cause 
I had a, I, it's not marked down as a play, but it's marked down as a little bit of a tickler file. Like maybe touch on the dog, Brandon Davis here. Yeah. Uh, bad Gerald Jackson wink guy. We talked a lot about Jackson wink and just kind of the turmoil. That's it. Yeah. Man. Turmoil. Um, he's got a good boxing, real power, especially for bantam weight. But Brandon Davis has a really good chin. Uh, we saw it versus Giga. We saw it versus a beat. Um, I mean, Enrique and Barzola, not so much, but this guy, this guy's a gamer. Uh, he's got good cardio, decent stand-up, good subs. The win over Randy Costa has aged really well. We've talked, I yeah. mean, now we've mentioned the split decision over Giga like eight times, but that couldn't have aged even, that couldn't have aged better. No, and he actually okay. won that first round against the beat, who's a guy I can't stop. Yeah, so what I was going to say about. is a, a couple, his last two losses against Ho Kang and Giga were both split decisions. I mean, we're two judges away from Brandon Davis being like a ranked fighter at this division. I think that there's a decent opportunity to play Brandon Davis as a dog here. I Yeah, I agree. I'm glad you actually mentioned it. I have only a half unit play though, because of his absence. That's the only reason I think there's a big question mark there, but I was looking at the bat Gerald side and I was saying, you know, you're looking at a guy who lost to uh, Al Tang. Hey Lee, in on one of the China cards, and then he fought Kennedy and Kevin Kevin Natividad, who we we talked about being kind of a not a not a but a COVID fighter. I mean, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. just say it. And so, I think that this is going to be. I mean, Alatang Haley is pretty good, but this is going to be his toughest competition yet. And so that's really why I'm intrigued by this one at the dog price. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Cool. I that went over Kai yeah. France and. Um, Lesser promotions is great for Bat Gerald, but yeah, Bat Gerald. But again, this is at thirty-five. So and Car right. France is a nat. So you don't know what I mean. He might have fought up. Who knows? But irregardless, I, I I'm really glad that you see that one similar to me. I I'm excited for that one. Nate Landwehr, a I believe he was a Cage Warrior champ for a while, or or some promotion champ. M1, it looks like. He is coming over and he's fighting. This is his second fight, third fight, fourth. Jesus, fourth fight in the UFC. Sorry, fuck my life. But he's fighting Ludovic Klein, who's a guy who had a really flashy knockout against Shane Young, a guy that I know you like. He's a city kickboxer. And that was on a pay-per-view card. And then he he ended up dropping one to Mike Trezano, which I lost money on. But he's fighting Nate Landwehr here. This one also is a pretty exciting fight in my book. And the line is Ludovic Klein minus 360, Nate Landor plus 300. For me, I'm very familiar with both of these guys. And I think a 300 price is crazy. I love Ludovic Klein. His kickboxing is phenomenal. He is so fucking fast and he hits hard. But Nate Landor is an absolute gamer he can mix in the wrestling and having a guy who's a competent fighter a guy who act it's not like he's some scrub like he's a competent fighter coming in here at plus 300 i I almost it's almost impossible for me to not bet this no matter who he's going up against this one plus 300 is a lot here yeah i I agree with you there i think the numbers are completely just screwed up i mean ludovic klein is definitely the more polished fighter and sure. there's a lot of question marks with Nate Landwehr having been knocked out in two of his last three. And what kind of, what does his chin look like? Is he, is he going to be okay? I mean, Herbert Burns one, is not like a. 
Was Herbert Burns a sub? No. No, that was a knee. You're right. Yeah, yeah that it, one was vicious, actually. I right. remember that one, yeah. Um, But you're right. I mean, we've got a guy in Landwehr who, former M1 champion, who's just been kind of ragdolling these Dagestanis for years and then <laughs> makes the jump over and gets clipped <laughs> in two out of his three. It feels like if he doesn't get clipped, he's going to be just fine and that 300 price is going to be stupid. I'm worried about Ludovic kind of just rushing in and knocking his block off right away. This doesn't seem like one I'm going to play probably not at all, but if I had to, I'm picking land where that number is just way out of whack. I'm playing light. Like this isn't one where I'm sending people in on a one unit underdog play, but I kind of like it with the last one for half a uni. And it's like, if either Ludovic or not Ludovic, if either Landwehr hits or Brennan Davis hits, you're walking home with some money. And I think there's a good chance both of them could hit. So like I, I'm doing a half unit on each, but I'm excited because I, when I saw that 300 line while taping, I was like, hold, kind of like what you said. I mean, he was, he was an M1 champion coming over the UFC. The and Trezano yeah. who just beat Ludovic pretty easily. He's not like a world beater no. in any way, shape no. or form. It's, he's no. not a, unbelievable grappler he's not an unbelievable striker he was just better everywhere than Ludovic on that night right on that yeah yeah. who's to say that that doesn't happen again I'm I'm with you I really am with you I'm feeling good about that one I think like there's a we'll get into it later but there is a potential like just for shits and giggles like ten dollar parlay that just pays you a fucking fat amount i you'll i'll, I'll craft it for you 11 fight parlay we're, we're starting off with carnalosi davis and there, land where there's that a would, that, those three right there would pay you fucking like a thousand plus a thousand oh just wait it's really gonna get out of hand i'm if i wait <laughs> maybe i was fucking around with it now i'm starting to realize that i think it's the vittori card um Okay, but moving forward, Danny Roberts, who we haven't seen in a long time, was one of the upper talents before getting absolutely embarrassed by Michelle Pereira. And he is fighting Ramazan Amiv. And the line on this one is Ramazan Amiv, unsurprisingly, minus 320. Danny Roberts on the other side, plus 260. Not to derail us, but did the bout order get changed? I've got Godinez Carolina up next before Roberts Amiv. I was on Tapology. Are you on Tapology or no? I'm looking at SureDog right now, so you know it what? might be different. You know what? You are right. Thank you, Danny. I, I skipped it. Lupi Lupita Godinez against Luana Carolina is next. The 125-pound bout, the one short notice. Hopefully, there's a line on. I mean, this bout got signed like two days ago. Um, There is. Godinez, minus 240. Luana Carolina, plus 180. So, Dan... I don't know what your taping looks like for this situation due to the fact that the fight was off and now on with a new opponent, but it's kind of a sizable line. Does this follow the rule? I mean, yeah, this one does follow the rule. If you're going to play it, I'm not going to play it, but uh, you got Carolina. Who's a great Muay Thai fighter. She likes to work in the clinch. You know what? As I'm looking over my notes, it doesn't follow the rule. This is a don't touch it (laughs) or maybe throw Godinez in a parlay because Godinez is obviously making the quickest quickest turnaround in UFC history, but she is a great grappler. She's got good takedowns, yeah. good top pressure. She knows how to snag an armbar if she needs to. Um, and I don't think she's going to be outmatched on the feet, even against a good Muay Thai striker. I think that Godinez is going to be stronger. So even if Carolina kind of wants to go into the clinch and get it to get this fight to where she feels comfortable, she's not going to have so much success there being the weaker woman. So yeah. I think this one I'm not going to touch. 
but I think that Godinez is is kind of priced in the right way, being a plus two hundred favorite. I, I think that she's a lot more skilled than Carolina. The other quick add too is that Lipsky knee barred Carolina in like the first round, and it's not. And I mean, Carolina's a Brazilian, so don't get it twisted. She knows her jits. It's just interesting. I mean, I know Lipsky's a phenomenal grappler, but that's a quick, quick way to not only have it hit the mat, but also lock up a knee bar. I mean, that's a that's a notable 50-50 position at times. To lose that in a minute 30, it, it, it does make you wonder if Loopy could work some sort of arm bar like you talked about on the on the but Yeah. No, I, I don't love the juice, but I, you won't see me playing the dogger pass here. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I'm, I'm with you. I, it is not a dogger pass. This is just an enjoy a potential grappling match or refill your beers. Either way is fine with me. See, see a girl get two wins in less than a week. It's fucking sick. That would, yeah, that would, I would love to see it. Maybe she'll get that Kamzat type, type of steam behind her. All right, now we're on to the aforementioned Danny Roberts versus Ramazan Amiv. And Ramazan Amiv, minus 320, Danny Roberts plus 260. And and this is one of your Dagestani guys, Dan. So this I'm, is one of my Dagestani guys. And we, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I'm going to hit the buzzer because this is my personal ankle lock. Yeah, we missed the ankle lock this week. Okay. Ramazan Amiv is not going to lose this fight. He's absolutely great everywhere versus Roberts, who's good on the feet, but pretty chinny, doesn't have much when it comes to grappling. I think if Amiv wants to, he can stand and trade for five minutes and then he'll ragdoll him. But I think that he's probably just going to come out pretty early and just ragdoll Roberts. See, I, okay, I don't disagree with you. I like Amiv, obviously. Amiv is going to ragdoll him, obviously. I, I don't see a scenario really where Amiv loses this. However, however, I had like, I loved Danny Roberts. I mean, I was talking about Danny Roberts being like back, like before Michelle Pereira. Uh, I I loved Danny Roberts. Michelle Pereira smoked him. I mean, it was a it was. If you want to watch a minute and forty seven seconds of just I mean, even Claudio Silva. Fuck it, you're right, Dan. I like this one, Rom. But how do you? So okay, so then let's get into less about how does this fight go down and more about how are you going to play it. That's a, that's a better question. Um, as crazy as it sounds, I you've got a guy in Amiv who's a decision machine. I think his last finish was back in M1 in 2016. No way. Yeah, and it makes me kind of think, here's the finish. I know that that sounds crazy, but... Yeah, like, it sounds like the opposite I thought you were going with. I mean, he didn't even finish Sam Alvey. Right. I, it's, it's, a, it's a weird kind of flip-flop where you see a guy that's so skilled and so dominant and you think he's got to get a finish in, in the last like six years and so I think it's going to come here I don't I, I don't know I think that you got a chinny Roberts I think I could see a ground and pound just smacking maybe in the second round all right so we're not going to leave our listeners here without a play I mean if we're screaming ankle lock which we're not putting this on the record at Kobe because it looks like our ankle lock is differing. However, if we're going to go ankle lock, let's let's just wrap it up with ankle prop, okay? what What's the exact line you want? I'm going to get a line on it. Fight to go to decision, minus 160, but we're picking a winner here. Ameev, K-O-T-K-O, is that cannot be right. Plus 450 on the K-O-T-K-O for Ameev. I like Ameev inside the distance, plus 230. Okay. I don't hate that at all. So wait, what's the decision though? Before we totally ink it, maybe decision plus one hundred five. 
Uh, okay. Yeah. Minutes. No. 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 You're right. You're right. Get that. Lock that finish in, people. We're not here. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over, as a wise man once said. Let's break those books. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. So, continuing up, this is the last prelim before we hit the main card. We have Andrew Sanchez, a, a middleweight that we, I feel like, can't pick right. And then, or actually, I think we only picked him right because we had him beating Wellington Terman and definitely losing to Mahmoud Muradov. So, I scratched that completely. And he's fighting Bruno Silva. Yeah, and there's and no way you picked him against Vittori. No, yeah, not me. My Italian brother and never. So I'd scratch what I said. We've only picked Andrew Sanchez, right? Hopefully we can keep the good times rolling. So Bruno Silva versus Andrew Sanchez. And the line on that, I believe that's happening at middleweight. But the line on that is Bruno Silva minus 155. Andrew Sanchez plus 135. And I like Bruno Silva a lot. Uh, He's another guy that made me, and I think you, a ton of money with that KO over Wellington Terman. And we hammered him at like minus 120. It was like close to even. This is a former M1 champ. Um, a bunch of great wins there. Good Muay Thai base. And it worries me a little bit. I got to say against Sanchez, who's your classic wrestler, but a classic wrestler who fell in love with his hands. And that really hurt him against Muradov. He was kind of just being unabashed, just like willing to engage, closing the distance, no fear. And I'm just going to, go full on just the other way and just wrestle here, which would be annoying for Silva, but I don't think Silva would be too uncomfortable as a Brazilian. I like Silva a lot here. I think that Sanchez is, is, is well-rounded, but slow, really hittable when he's standing and Bruno's got some real power and he's not lost on the ground. Were you worried about those exchanges in Wellington tournament? I mean, if he didn't get that ground and pound in the first round, it might've even been from the bottom with hammer fist type thing he was dropping that round. It was one-sided to say the least. Does that worry you at all? Because I actually, and this is going to be the first time that we are different on Andrew Sanchez, but I actually like Andrew Sanchez here. I, and you touched on why is him mixing in his wrestling. Yeah, no, it it, does worry me. You're you're right. It does worry me. And and I'm not sitting here saying I'm going to hammer Bruno Silva, let alone even bet him. I might. (laughs) I don't know. I just <laughs> he walks it back. I it's the it's the Dennis Reynolds line. I I I, I won't. I I might. I probably will. <laughs> and and I said it going into the Murdov fight. It's I love to fade a wrestler who falls in love with his hands, and so yeah. I'm unsure of whether or not he's learned his lesson. And well, I think that Bruno Silva is unmatched for him. I'm excited to see it. I I personally. This is my first official full unit play. I'm only playing one unit. Might send it up to two, but I only have one in right now because I wanted to lock lock in that dog price. But I have an, uh, a one unit play on Andrew Sanchez in the books already, and it is for that reason of mixing in wrestling. Um, okay, so Kobe, I need a nod from the producer. Are we going ahead with props, or should we just hit the main card? Main card, Parker's here. We got props. So we are doing the props. That's what I was asking. Yeah, I don't see yeah Parker, we got it. So. Okay, I don't see Parker because of this 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 background that we're riding. Because with, of so. this vacation that I'm having and we're chilling. Do you not want to be here? Dude, I'm happy. Take to our listeners. Do you see? I know everyone heard that. They're like, wow, Country Club coming at with shots out of nowhere. It doesn't matter. It's vacation I'm having. Okay. <laughs> Sorry that 
my vacation. I couldn't be happier to be talking. Look at your beautiful mugs. Here we are (laughs) talking ankle picks. Let's go. Sorry that my vacation. Sorry that my vacation is the ankle pick pod. Come on now. That is. Sir, our ankle locks are paying for that vacation. That is what's (laughs) happening. That is what's happening today. He should he should talk to us in a nicer tone since we're the ones footing the bill over there. Um, middleweight bout: Julian Marquez versus Jordan Wright, and we fade Jordan right here like clockwork. But doesn't Julian, always work, especially not with Julian Marquez. Julian Marquez though is paying a whopping minus two forty five against Jordan Wright's plus two oh five, and all I can say is do not bet this fight. I am not touching this thing. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Jordan Wright is a technical striker, but to me, he hasn't shown really any ability to, like, fight through adversity or grapple once. Uh, He's really bad defensively, too. A lot of question marks, but Julian Marquez also hasn't shown me that he's, like, great, really, at all. He's going to plod forward, throw his bombs. He's tough as nails, but anytime I'm, like, complimenting a fighter and I'm telling him he's tough, it's meaning – Oh damn, you're really hittable, huh? Yeah, that's so. True. Yeah. I don't really want. I don't want to like put my money on someone that I'm describing as hittable. The other thing too is you have to remember. I mean, I don't know if you remember that Maki Patolo fight, but he literally dropped every second of that fight until he ripped off an anaconda with his, with dear life. But he couldn't get behind round. his yeah, jab. No. It was just nothing. And he took three years out, so it could have been Octagon Rust, which Dominic Cruz would tell you shut the fuck up. And then he beats Sam Alvey, which at this point, I mean, it's got to be a running joke right and now. He smashed Sam yeah, Alvey. Yeah, but I mean, I smashed Sam Alvey. <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, quickly, Kobe, <laughs> screw you for not putting that on news and notes. Sam Alvey, the guy that everyone thought was going to be caught after that Wellington tournament bout, has a fight booked for Ian Heinish, baby. Ian Heinish in February. So he's going to drop that one too. He, he's on a one, two, three, four, five. He's on an oh six and one streak right now. <laughs> I love how unabashed Dan is about it though. After he dropped that last one, he's like, you think you're going to sign Sam Alvey to another place? He's like, yeah, he's got another in him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Dude, Sam Alvey's got to have nudes on Dana White or something. I mean, there's uh. something pulling the strings back there. But anyways, Julian Marquez, I could never see myself paying 250 for him. And on the other side, I want nothing to do with Jordan Wright with my hard-earned money. This is a hard, hard, hardcore pass in my book. Speaking of hardcore pass, Parker, what's your prop? I'm not loving this one. I've been back and forth on it. I think that Marquez is not going to get – he's never been knocked out. He's only had two decision losses, but I'm going to go with Wright here by TKO plus 400. Okay. I mean, if Wright's going to get it done, it's going to be via finish. It's, that's how he always gets it done. I'm just worried that he's going to be on the wrong end of that. What's it's usually hey, a surprising finish too. He's he's usually a guy that the Jamie I mean, Pickett the Jamie Pickett fight I did not see going that way. Oh boy, Danny, are you sitting? One of your girls is up next. <laughs> and you know what? While we're here, non. Yeah, while we're here, can you bring Parker in for pronunciation of the week on who is fighting Myra Bueno Silva, please? The French girl. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Manon Fiorit. <laughs> Dan, is that close Anon enough? Because I don't fucking know. <laughs> I basically, if anyone hasn't figured it out by now, 
the pronunciation of the weeks is just so I can embarrass Parker before I go in for the pronunciation because <laughs> I, I need someone to get it out of the way first so that I get a free roll. So far, Faro versus Bueno Silva, but I, I, I know that's Danny's girl. Faro is minus 235, Bueno plus 195, which is no Bueno in my book. Dan. Yeah, that's not enough fade, for me to. Do, I was going to say, do you fade your girl and go dog here? That's not enough for me to follow the science. You got your classic striker versus grappler matchup with Buena Silva is going to try to avoid the stand up at all costs, get Manon on her back, try and get a sub. That's kind of her only way to victory for me. Fuara has shown that she's got great takedown defense. And on top of that, she hits like a fucking truck with really crisp combinations. I see Buena Silva getting tired. I see you're getting frustrated. I see you're getting hurt. I think I said that exact same sentence with the Mackenzie Dern, um, Marina Rodriguez fight. But Fuaro hits even harder than fucking Marina. So this is this is not going to be good for Buena. I kind of see her maybe getting finished in late second or maybe in the third when she gets frustrated and just shooting, diving for those legs and eats a couple uppercuts maybe. All right, well, let's see if – Parker sees it the same way. What's that prop looking like, Peak? So uh, my Fioro, the beast, if you want to call her. I'm still having some trouble with the pronunciation here. I'm taking yep. her uh, TKO plus 185. She'll get her seventh TKO, eight wins. Let's go. There you go. She's nasty. You see it like Dan. Yeah, she is nasty. Dan, does she always fight at fly? Why did I feel like she was a straw weight, undersized? Is that I'm thinking of Luma? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I remember her being super tall, but apparently not. She's 5'7". That's pretty tall for 25. For one, yeah, one 125. You got not a lot of men that are 5'7 at 125. No, you got some, you got some length there. I mean, Silva Figgy's being 5'6 like, on the other side. Yeah, how tall is Figgy? Five foot one. <laughs> how tall is Joe Benny, too? I know Megan O'Leary's got him clocked. Um, next fight of the main card, Jim Miller, who I won't even lie here, is one of my favorite fighters. I, I love Jim Miller. He's got I think the most fights or he's right there with Donald Cerrone in the promotion. Most wins right there with Donald Cerrone. Jim Miller's just an absolute gamer and he's fighting Eric Gonzalez, who I believe is a newcomer to the UFC. He is. So this one's interesting. Dan, did you get any tape on Eric Gonzalez? Because we all know what Jim Miller brings to the table. So not a ton of tape, but I did go through his record and obviously making your debut, no names really sticking out except one. Rafa Garcia, a guy we've shat on for like weeks and weeks. Gonzalez has a loss to Garcia in like some other lower promotion. That's only two years ago, too. Major red flag to me. Yeah, that that was only two years ago, too. I mean, how much can you? uh, I mean, you can make a lot of improvement in two years, but I mean, definitely. But that's a tough scene. Rafa Garcia is 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 still terrible, and I know Jim Miller's on two fight losing streak. But it's not like he hasn't looked like himself. He's still Jim Miller. Want to know something else? To... Yeah, Sorry. please. Didn't want to cut you off. Sorry. No, please. Do you remember Humberto Bondanai? Yeah, that... of course. So Humberto Bondanai, he was a heavy favorite when he came into the UFC, but has a win over our boy here and against Eric Gonzalez. And he is – he was uh, – he lost to Gabriel Benitez – Austin Arnett, and then 
Garagori before being cut and sent back to combat has not made his return. Most recently lost to Rafa Garcia's in combat. So you're looking at guys who haven't had a, a long time stay in the UFC. And then you got a guy like Jim Miller who has all the experience on his side, all the octagon hours on his side, and then all, all the skills. I mean, he is a phenomenal grappler was sidelined for a while with Lyme disease and said it really, really affected him and that it, it affected him in his fights. And that was a lot of the reason why he dropped four in a row. When you look back, it's really because there were four killers, Poirier, Hooker, Trinaldo, and Pettis. But I mean, this guy's fought the who's of who's he's beating. I mean, not as much recently, but he's fought everybody. And so I don't feel like the line's big enough. I don't know if I said the line. Sorry, I realized we just jumped right into it. Jim Miller minus 225, Eric Gonzalez plus 185. Very little line movement. It's kind of opened at 1225. It's kind of gone up and down, up and down. But I don't know, Dan, is 225 enough? Because I really feel like with Jim Miller and the experience, I I don't think it is. I feel like it's not enough. enough. I'm right there with you. He's definitely 100% the better grappler. He's going to be able to dictate where this fight is fought for the entire 15 minutes. And honestly, I'm not going to be surprised at all if he gets a submission. Uh, I I, I genuinely think Gonzalez is not going to be happy fighting on the mat at all. There you go. I, I, I think that if it does hit the mat, which it should, I'd see it exactly how you see it. Just a, a total one-sided battle. So I'll be interesting to see. Parker, how do you see it? I'm on Miller here by sub plus 280. Oh, my God. That shouldn't even Great be a plus. Number. Yeah, that shouldn't it's even a be a phenomenal number. Oh, my God. That should not. Let's address that. If he said Jim Miller by sub Plus, plus 140, like 140. Okay. yeah, yeah I, okay. same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That too, number yeah. is not great, but it's probably the most likely outcome here. Right. Like, yep. this and that. No, okay. Yeah, 240. I don't see my card. Sure. Yeah, me too, honestly. At least a half unit there. Good, good pick up there, Peak. And wow, Andre Orlovsky in the co-main event is fighting Carlos Felipe. Woo, that's actually an exciting heavyweight. You're sitting here there. saying, wow, I'm like, Carlos oh. Philippe co-main oh. event. No, it's more the what Andre. What are we doing here? It's more the Andre Orlovsky. I always love an Andre Orlovsky, even at 47 or whatever the fuck he is nowadays, 42. Andre Orlovsky holds a special place in my heart. But then the yeah, Carlos Philippe is 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 whatever here. Except even though he he is a gamer. But we got a heavyweight bout here in the line is wow carlos philippe minus 115 andre arlovsky minus 105 too close to even for me yeah i agree i am on arlovsky if you haven't been able to tell i don't care that he's 42 i don't care if he's 50 i am on andre arlovsky and it's wild because i was pretty heavy against arlovsky um i think when he fought Chase shirt. No, when he fought Tanner Bozer, not Chase shirt. Mm, which is reasonable. I mean, he, right. was, he was probably a dog against Bozer. Oh, big time, I think. Yeah, probably and, uh, I, yeah, I'll look it up right now. Keep going. But for me, you've got plus 305. Way, you've got a way better matchup for Andre Arlovsky here. Philippe is big. He's slow. He's a heavyweight with power in his hands, but no real footwork to set it up or like even disguise it. And you got Arlovsky, who might be a little chinny. Or Reese mentioned he's 42 years old. He's an absolute legend. 
But you, you ask, I mean, there's not even a competition. He's got way better movement of the two, way better footwork of the two, way better just fight IQ of the two. If he can avoid eating just a loaded overhand right, he's going to win a comfortable decision here. He's going to tag Philippe. I don't know if he's going to hurt him, but he's going to touch him up a bunch. And, I mean, it's just, just – it's the pit bull. It's Arlovsky. I mean, if we really talk, be honest here, like Tanner Bozer is a heavy favorite against Carlos Philippe. Chase Sherman, honestly, might even be a favorite against Carlos Philippe. Has that fight actually happened? That sounds like a fight that's happened. But, I mean, in, you got a guy like Carlos Philippe who's beating Jake Collier, who's a and who's one who's one judge both in his last fights away from losing. It's two split decisions. Tafa against and Collier. Collier. Oh, my God. And Tafa, too. Oh, my God. It's just this heavyweight division is an absolute shambles. Let's not beat around a bush here. But the consistency – of at least knowledge and skill set. And I mean, that Arlovsky brings to the table. He's arguably one of the best heavyweights to ever do it. And he's so 31 and 20. He, yeah. he's, he's faced a decent 30 guys oh that are yeah. tougher than Carlos Felipe. Oh, at least, at least, at least. Yeah. I mean, every, I would almost say that every single person I'm he's faced in the last couple of years is tougher than Philippe. I mean, maybe not Chase Sherman, but like Tom Aspinall, Tanner Bozer, Jari Zeno Rose, but then you go ben down and it's Acusto Sakai. Oh yeah. That's you, just early. You go down and it's, it's Nganu. It's Overeem. It's Stipe. 2016 Reem. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's Anthony I think Johnson. A, it's bingo. It's, it's, I, I think a one Oh five is an absolute disservice. I was so surprised. I know I'm, I'm I was surprised when this line was where it was at. But that doesn't my, mean I'm super comfortable with Arlovsky. I was just really surprised. I I don't like I'm not putting my 401k on it, but I think that I'm at a point now where it's like I'm fine taking the value play here. Whether Read it wins or loses, it whether whether it win, whether it wins or loses, it, I, there's value at Arlovsky minus 105 in the in this bout. And and as sad as it is to say, I know that he wants to tell us otherwise but he's 42 the value not even so much the value but the Orlovsky fights will end and but he's a guy skilled enough I think he could go out positive and that doesn't almost ever happen in this sport especially at this heavyweight division I mean it's disgusting um Parker Pratt and if it's against Orlovsky I'm gonna fucking be pissed off it is because I think the line's a little fishy. I don't understand why. Let's um, hear it. So I'm taking uh, Philippe by decision plus 240. Hmm. May I ask what's fishy about that? I feel like the line should have been should have been a little bit uh, favored against Philippe, but uh, and also hearing you guys commentate or discuss this, I was like, I definitely don't feel comfortable. But I, I like the like the odds here, and I'm gonna take him by decision. I respect it. Usually the fights that you don't expect to go to decision, which I guess in this one for a lot of heavyweights fights is one I kind of could see going to decision, but the ones that you usually don't expect are the ones that do like that five rounder with Johnny Walker just a couple weeks ago. Okay. You probably noticed that Danny talked about his ankle lock in Amiv, which is amazing. I think mine might be this next bout in that of Norma Dumont at oh, plus okay. 115. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to go with the favorite here. No, no, sir. 
Um, but the the main event, Norma Dumont versus Aspen Ladd at 145. That's an important tidbit. And Aspen Ladd is minus 130, Norma Dumont plus 110. I will be honest, I've already locked the bet in, and I got Norma Dumont at plus 125. So I already am feeling good about my bet, regardless of the outcome. But I'm going to say Dumont's the ankle lock for me this week. And a lot of it has to do with that weigh-in scene from just a week ago. A lot of it has to do with the fact that this fight is taking place at 45. And then a lot of it has to do with just the skill set, in my opinion, that I've seen out of Norma Dumont. I mean, I know that that Megan Anderson fight ended poorly, and that was something that I did tape to see if there were adjustments made when going to the Felicia Spencer fight and the Ashley Evans Smith fight. I'm comfortable enough to say that she made marginal improvement. The big thing for me, though, is I just looked at it as, look, Felicia Spencer fought for the title at 45. I know that that's kind of a laughable statement because there's only three girls, but so did Megan Anderson. And, you know, I think Norma Dumont, it's not, if 45 stays open, I would say that Norman Dumont probably wins this bout here and, and will be next in line. And that's a big if, but I, I, I like what Norma Dumont brings to the table and I'm happy to see your reaction when I told you it was Norma and not Lad. What are you thinking on this one? You like that? I'm, angle I am exactly on the same page as you. Same chapter, you same good. book, same encyclopedia, novel, whatever. Um, that Megan Anderson fight that you referenced, that knockout, yeah. that was her first fight up at 145. And I think it was slightly short notice. I don't think she got a full camp at all. And we've seen not so much you were referencing improvements in Ashley Evans Smith and, and Felicia Spencer. But for me, just she looked like a 145er walking into that cage. She had the base behind her that could stuff some takedowns that Aspen Ladd is going to shoot for, like almost as her only hope. But moving up to 145 after being in the hospital two weeks ago, trying to cut to 135. I, it was a bad cut. It was bad. It, it makes sense in like the like logic, whatever. Like, oh, you can't make 35 fight at 145. But this is a person that was fight. They're cutting over twenty pounds to get to twenty five. She's got to still cut ten pounds to get to forty five. Remember right. when Tony Ferguson when he tried to cut weight 100%. two weeks in a row? Yeah, it's brutal. Not to mention, not to mention, we've got one woman who had a full camp training for a five round fight. One woman who had a full camp training for a three round fight, and has now been put in a five round fight at a weight class that she's never fought at before. Yeah, I see. These are all the reasons that I have written down too that I love. The other thing too that you mentioned quickly is you said Dumont looked like a forty five er. It's not like she's weighing in at forty three and a half. I mean, she's weighing in at one forty six. I mean, she's comfortable at featherweight. She's fought at featherweight, and people don't realize. I've talked to fans before. They're like, "Oh, it's only a ten pound difference. Who really? Who, how much could it really be?" It's night and day. Your your body feels different. These women, I'm willing to guarantee that they're walking around within three to four pounds naturally of each other. And one of them kills themselves to cut to 135. And the other has built themselves a base that I can fight happily at 145. And the 135 is walking into the other or to the uh, 145ers fucking dojo. It is. I, I don't know why. Aspen Ladd coming out of the hospital is a favorite here. It really doesn't make sense to me. And it follows science. Obviously, woman's dog or pass. 
this is a I was gonna take Norman Dumont anyway, but now you want to give me value? Dumb. Please don't see that's thank God. I'm feeling so happy. It sounds like if Danny and I got together. I mean, this is we're recording late. We have half the podcast on vacation, but if we got together and actually hammered down an ankle lock, seems like Dumont could have been it. I mean, be we a dog see that, ankle lock. Yeah, it would be a, a dog, dog ankle lock. I agree. I, I'm feeling really good about this here. I've already placed two units at 125, which is value. And I seriously am eyeing an opportunity to maybe take a little more if it doesn't cross into that negative threshold. I mean, we, we talk a lot about a lot of fights. Yeah. What is the one thing that's consistent about every woman's fight? They're favored to go to decision. Yeah. If this one goes past the third round, are you favoring the woman that's trained for a five round fight? Or are you favoring a woman that's trained for the three? Also, are you favoring the girl who is preparing for this fight at 45 against a specialist of Kali Holm who is feeling good, probably already pretty close to weight already, or the girl who was in a hospital a week ago? It's <laughs> It's weird it's that the number people, is like this. It they, does not make I, sense. I know. I think everyone forgot, regardless of what happens. I mean, there's a chance that Dumont comes out here and gets fucking right across right out the gate. I mean, that's the sport we play. But if you're telling me that someone was in a hospital a week ago, the other girls are preparing for a five-round fight, and they're in a five-round main event a week later, I would tell you I'm taking the 45-er, the natural 45-er all day long. Not natural 45 but the current 45-er all day long. For sure. And I'm yeah, like you said, I'm not going to be surprised if Glad comes out with the superior grappling ability because she does have it. Right. And 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 out wrestles Norma for 15. But I am I'm going to be so surprised if that continues for 25. And I'm, I honestly I'm going to be surprised if it goes the whole full 15. Norma Dumont is that much stronger. I know. I see. I, okay. We, I, this is making me really happy. I came in here shaky on the ankle lock and Dan made a face at me. So I know there's just audio when I said it's going to be the main event when he thought it might be lad Woo, has a weight lifted off my shoulder. I'm feeling good about this one. So if you're listening to this right now, you're probably like, Oh, I'm thinking Aspen lad. It's a more recognizable name. Stop it. Pause and place that Norma Dumont. We're feeling good about it over at the ankle pick headquarters. Parker, are you feeling good about it too? What's your ankle lock or ankle prop? Ooh, I like that. My prop is the fight doesn't go to decision minus one fifteen. I like that too. We just talked. I mean, that is everything. It's a woman coming out of the hospital. We think yeah. she can fight twenty five minutes? No, no. This is this is it. Really, is crazy. And no matter what the outcome is, I mean, if you really break down what this line is, it is a woman who is hospitalized, stepping in on short notice, which is hard enough as is, mind you, facing a girl in a five-round main event for someone who has been training for it against a superior fighter in Holly Holm. I, I not to mention is- the negative effect of cutting twice in three weeks. It is not something that humans are meant to do ever, let alone right. twice, twice in a th- month. Right. Like dehydrate yourself to the point of and it's not even cutting. It's it's to hospitalization. It's not like a five pound cut. We're talking 20 pounds. It's crazy. And she's still got to turn around and do another 10. It is yeah. wild. It's wild. It's wild. All right. It sounds like the ankle pick boys are all on the same side here. Parker's props are live. So if you're if you're feeling comfortable, go in there for frothy. And you got two for the price of one on ankle locks this week, which is always nice. Parlay those fuckers. We'll be back at you next week for Vittori V. Paulo Costa. Kobe, you got anything to add? I'm just excited for a main event that I'm looking forward to.
There you go. I love to hear that. Yeah, he loves Norma Dumont. Dude, he told me about that. He was sending me text messages being like, do you think Norma would respond to me if I sent her text messages and stuff? I'm like, what, He's dude? Like this is so weird. I know. DMs, like hitting weird. her up on Cameo. Just weird like, shit. I know. He was asking me, like, do you have Norma love- Dumont? He was like, do you have Norma Dumont cards, please? PSA 10s? I need them. I need them for material. Weird guy, that country club, Kobe. Um... All right, now that you just got bashed for five minutes, you want to sign us off? <laughs> I do want to sign us off. <laughs> With a bow! <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.